0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you tonight. God bless all of you. Glad to see you here on a Wednesday night. I think you made a good choice being here. I don't know about you, but I I just don't want to talk about the God of miracles. I believe in the God of miracles. I, I believe in the God of miracles. And I was with my brother the last few days, and we got to talking about the things of God, and He started talking about a man that he doesn't know him personally yet, but this man just believes God, just believes God. He finds out what the Bible says, and he just acts on it, and so, you know, he told me stories after stories, and people would say, so we came to see you heal these people. He goes, well, first of all, I don't heal anybody. I just allow the things of God to work through me, and so again, when I begin to hear these things, maybe the upcoming weeks, I'll share some of the stories, but Man, it, it stirred within me to say, I, I just don't want to sing about the God of miracles. I I, I want to watch the God of miracles move. So just keep hang, just keep hanging around this place, and you're gonna start seeing stuff happen even tonight. All right, all right. Well, I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, once you get a Bible, go with me to First Timothy chapter 6, six, First Timothy six. And as you're going there. Um, I'll just tell you briefly, I've been gone for the last couple of days. And Sunday, right after the service, I left for Albuquerque. I've been up there with uh, four of the guys that are part of the Men of Iron that we all grew up together. And so this has been in conversation for a couple of years. But we are in the process of writing a book. And so I'd never been a part of that. And so for a day and a half, over 15 hours, man, we were around writers and publishers and it it was real interesting to me how it went and so after about six hours I asked one of the writers I said hey be honest with me I said you're not gonna hurt my feelings okay do we have something here and he said you got something you got something so we'll see where it goes it's the beginning stages but it's fun to be able to brag about God and I will say this to you right now our God still takes messes and makes miracles I don't care how bad you think you've been, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to Father God. God is still in that business. All right, 1 Timothy 6, and I'm, I'm going to begin to read in verse 17. And before I read, oftentimes when you talk about the blessings of the Lord, if, if I don't stay right in the middle of the road of the blessings of God, I, I can jump to this ditch which talks about materialism. Oh, I'm going to have this and this and this and this and this. Or I, I jump in the ditch this ditch and it talks about poverty. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before. But I know many people think it's a badge of honor to be poor for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not against being poor, but that's not God's heart. Thank you. There's a few of you who agree. So just, just let this verse soak in here. And I, and I want you to see it. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be prideful, not to be arrogant. Now see, that's one side of the ditch, man, that you start getting into it and you'd say, Woo, look at everything I got. Look at me, look at me, look at me. But he's saying, don't get haughty. You get haughty, you'll get naughty. Don't do it. That's not in there. That's part of my thought. That you, you, this present age, not to be haughty. Nor to trust in uncertain riches. Now, here the word trust in the Greek literally means to expect or to hope for. Or other words, they expect them to bring us security or even deliverance. The Riches of the world are not going to do that, okay? So look how he ends this verse. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, how do I get away from that right there? God, He didn't say He didn't say I'm going to give you just a little dab will do you. He said, "No, I want to give you richly all things to enjoy." So when I look at that something begins to happen when I begin to tell look what God's done. Man God God has blessed me. What you see, what you, that's all because of God. And so right here you begin to see here God doesn't want you being irresponsible with the blessings he wants you to enjoy life with, but he wants us to be responsible with great wealth to say Father God, I'm going to be a great steward with what you've given me. Yeah, there we go. Amen. So you see right there, man, God, God's not against me being rich. He's just against me when I allow riches to dominate me. And so here's the thought, I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's hard to be a blessing when you're not blessed. I, I've been on both of that, that stick right there. I understand what that's like. And so again, it came back to this. Man, i got to start trusting God. i got to start trusting God with what's given me. And one of the ways I trust Him is I faithfully honor Him. So as long as you do that, man, it keeps you balanced. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you. I, I, I thank you that you are the God that says you give us richly all things to enjoy. And so, Lord, we ask you to grace every one of us that with everything you've blessed us with, that not only are we responsible and good stewards with it, But all the praise goes back to you. And we say thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, bless all. Love you. Glad you came. As uh, we're getting ready to take off here tonight, go with me back to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, chapter 1. Remember, the way you give, there's these little things right here on the side. So I'm getting ready to say, I'm going to let our ushers receive this. And I realize that's not the way we do things around here. So again, they're all here on the sides. There's all kinds of way to give. As you're turning to uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, the faith closet's open tonight. If you need household goods or anything, be sure and get your children first. This Saturday is a uh, the turkey day, the giveaway, so be sure and do that. And then, you know what, I, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to do this. If you really like to decorate with Christmas stuff... You would be a huge blessing to me to come out Monday from 10 to noon and help. Because if you don't show up, I've got to do it. I'm not asked to do it. I'm commanded to do it. And I I can do it. But sometimes when I do it, I I don't always have the greatest attitude in doing that. So I'm I'm not trying to bluff you, all right? You're welcome to come out to that. And then, again, next Wednesday night, we are having the Thanksgiving service. And it's going to be good, I promise you. So... We're going back to the book of Ruth. Where is Ruth? You'll go Joshua, Judges, and then you'll jump right into Ruth. It'll be right before uh, the book of 1 Samuel. And so Ruth, to me, is one of the greatest books in the Bible of redemption. That we got over last week about this family that moved to the land of Moab. And if you've ever studied the Moabites, they, they were some ungodly folk. But again, we see this woman, Naomi, that she loses everything she's got. Her husband and her two boys. And so life's been very difficult. So pick up with me here in in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth said, entreat me or urge me not to leave you. Now this is talking about to her mother-in-law. On three different occasions at least... Ruth's mother-in-law, which was Naomi, said, go back to Moab, go back, go back, don't come with me. And so Ruth says here, "Don't, don't encourage me to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For where you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Now, I want to stop right there because if you'll look at the end of verse 16 when, he, when she says, and your God is my God. Now, look real close if you got your Bible. If you'll note on there, the G at the end of verse 16 is capitalized. Your God will be my God. And so, literally what this is talking about here is the great Jehovah. It's, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I didn't have you go there, but if you've got your Bible, if you look back to the end of verse 15, when the other daughter-in-law, Orpah, said, I'm going to go back, she literally goes back to her gods. And if you look at the end of verse 15, that letter G in gods is little g. You know what that means? It's fake. It's not the real God. So here's the deal: I, I can live to the false gods, or man, I can pursue the real God. I, I can go to the real God. Now, I highlight this because this is a woman who's a Mobite. Other words, She's a Gentile, she's non-Jew. She comes from a background of there's no God in their life at all, or the true God. And so she says right here, "Your people will be my people, and your God's going to be my God." So literally when she starts talking about her commitment here is not mere emotion. This, this is the transfer of her heart saying, "You serve the real God, and that's who I'm going to serve." Keep reading, verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So when she says here, the Lord do so, it indicates that Ruth understands the nature of Yahweh. And she literally invokes his name with this oath. The commitment is rooted in the understanding of my mother-in-law. She knows the real God. She knows the true God. And so this was a key moment for Ruth. This was a decisive fork in the road. Now last week we started with one of the verses in Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14. Where Jesus literally described two roads. The narrow road is a road that's difficult and only are fewer on it. But it's the road that leads to life. The other road is wide. It's broad. There's many on it, but it's the road that leads to destruction. So literally right here, you know what Ruth says? I'm going to go on the narrow road. Why is the narrow road so difficult? Well, you begin to find out this, that when you make a decision to serve Yahweh, the true God, you may lose a lot of friends. And there may be family members in your life that say, man, he's crazy. He's turning to a cult. It's crazy what they're doing. And so, again, when you see what Ruth does here, not only is she losing all her family and friends, man, she's going to a whole nother nation. So part of this, the decisive uh, uh, fork in the road for her, there was a separation And so when it says here that she's going to cling to Naomi, the word Naomi, if you'll remember, it means pleasant. It means delightful. But also one of the translations said the word means favor. So literally right here when Ruth says, I'm not going back to Moab. I'm going with you to Bethlehem. You know what she's saying here? I'm going to stay with favor. I'm not going anywhere unless favor's with me. I'm not going to hang on to anything unless favor's with me. So literally what I think she's saying here, I'm committed. I'm in for the long haul. And so what I see right here is a Holy Spirit-born commitment that crossed race barriers of, of not only race, but culture. Think about this in this instance. In 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the whole earth that God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to God. I believe this was what was written all over uh, uh, Ruth. She said, I got a loyal heart. And that loyalty not only showed up toward her mother-in-law, but really it was saying, I want to I serve the God that you serve. And so when you look at what Ruth does here, she doesn't categorize her, herself or her life through the lens of nationality or color, but she literally categorized her life like this. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. And so when you see here that, that she may have been, or people may have said to her, you're a mobite," She didn't use that. Being a mobite didn't stop her from pursuing or worshiping God. And it shouldn't stop you. And oftentimes we'll have this thought, well, I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just an old this or I'm just an old that. Or why would God do anything for me? Well, again, I I believe this right here. i got to get a hold of this. It's because I belong to God. And if I belong to God and you belong to God, then guess what? That means we're brothers and sisters. But too many times we have the thought, well, I'm Chinese. I'm African. I'm Latino. I'm Caucasian. Whatever that is, I still haven't figured that out. No, that's not who I am. When I get born again, I belong to God. I become a child of God. So why I highlight this, this is a woman who crossed racial and culture barriers and says, you know what, I'm not a Jew. I'm a child of God. I'm no different. And I think many times this is what gets us off track. So this was a radical commitment to God and his people, which has got to become my identity. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. And the reason that's so important because, man, the blessings I'm going to walk into, they have to do with when I start understanding I'm a child of God. Well, Pastor, I, I don't feel like a child of God. Well, you've got to look what the Bible says. When you get born again, I belong to God. And so right here, you see, this is what Ruth said. Your God's my God. He's my God. Verse 18. When she saw or realized, now this was Naomi, that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And when it happened, they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? Is this pleasant? Is this delightful? If this is and I understand you got to think about this in these terms. It's been at least 10 years since they left. At least. And so had, had Naomi changed in appearance? I believe she had. I believe she had some battle scars because of her life. The hurt, the pain that she existed. And so they're saying, is this Naomi? Verse 20, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi, do not call me pleasant, don't call me delightful, don't call me favor, Now, we talked about this last week, that in Jewish heritage, names were huge. They didn't name people names just because it was cool. When they named them, it had prophetic implications upon it. So remember when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, it meant the God of many nations. So every time someone would yell out Abraham, you know what they were literally saying? That's the God of many nations. So back with Naomi, when they would say Naomi, it was like they were saying, Hey, favor, but she said, Don't call me favor anymore. Call me Mara. You know what the word Mara means? It means bitter. Call me bitter. Don't call me favor in no uncertain terms. Call me bitter. So every time that people would see her, they would say, hey, Mara. Hey, bitter. And what normally would happen, that they would walk in the line of what their name meant. They would begin to gravitate. It was like Abraham. When God called him the father of many nations, Hey, Abraham, Abraham, you're the father of many nations. Guess what ultimately happened? he began begin to walk in the same that his name meant. It didn't happen overnight. But you're Abraham, the father of many nations. So in this situation, she says, Don't call me favor, call me bitter. And so what I begin to see here is I can't allow the difficulties of life to define who I am. God says I'm more than a conqueror. God says I'm an overcomer. But yet because of the things that we go through, if I'm not careful, I allow life to define me instead of God to define me. Now look what she says here. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. The Almighty. So in my Bible right there where it says the Almighty, it, it has a little star. And that little star took me to, to Psalms 91 verse 1. And where it says the Almighty, you know what that says, Psalms 91 1? He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say, I will say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God and Him will I trust. But she does just the opposite. It's like she's mad at God. She's blaming God instead of saying, that's my God and I will say. Now let me ask you something. What are you saying about the Lord today? Woo, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my God, and him will I trust. Or am I saying what she did? The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now look what she goes on to say. I went out full of life, and the Lord has brought me home empty. Man, she's lost her identity. Since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty... El Shaddai has afflicted me. One translation says, He has ruined me. So Naomi right here, she reflects human nature in general as she blames God. Rather than looking at her personal choices and her sinful nature for her destructive and painful things she's experiencing, she indicates that the circumstances she's experiencing are because of God. And it's dangerous to blame God. Now, here's the point in this with her. God didn't tell them to move to Moab. They decided to go to Moab on their own. And so when I look at this, I I, I can't allow bitterness and disappointment of life to blind you to what God really wants to do. And so she felt God had cursed her. She had felt like God had afflicted her. And here's what I think a lot of times happen. We decide to do something in life. And and we don't have a clue if it's God's blessing or not. And we say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and buy this house. And when I buy the house and it doesn't work out, we blame God. We get mad at God, even though we never consulted God. It's kind of like someone that says, you know what? I'm going to marry Uncle Buck even though he doesn't love God at all. And guess what? Once I marry him, I'm going to get him turned around. He's going to serve God. But God said, don't be married or unequally yoked with unbelievers. But we have this thought. Whatever I do, God's going to bless it. God's not going to bless it unless it's his idea. And so I don't know where we get off thinking, God, you've got to bless it just because I'm doing it. And so I think that was their mindset to a degree. You know what? We're going to move to Moab and we're going to live happily ever after. Where you're going to live to a place where God doesn't even exist in their lives. But yet you think God's going to bless it? That hurt, Pastor. And so this is what was happening to her. So she chose to walk away from God. She chose to walk away from the the house of bread to Moab. And because of her choices, life hardened her. Let me ask you something. Does this describe you right now? Are you mad at God? You know, there's been times in my life I've told God, I'm mad at you. And I realized real quick, God's not the one who put me in that predicament. I'm the one who chose that. And I believe it's time, or it's time. sometimes it's very healthy for you to go in and be very transparent with God. But I can tell you this right now. If you allow bitterness to stay in your heart, it'll suck the life out of you forever. It'll kill you. Bitterness is an inward poison. And as long as I hold on to that inward bitterness, that, that poison just stays on the inside of me. And the only way to release that is say, Father God, I repent of that. I, I, I don't want to have a hard heart. And so when I repent to God and say, Father God, I'm sorry for the bitterness. I'm sorry for this. I repent of this. Man, that bitterness is released. Is it easy? Not all the time. Not all the time. I've told this story many times, and this may take most of my evening, but, man, I had this lady who was really dear to me, but, man, she, she was having huge issues, and she got into the hospital. She had a tumor the size of a volleyball right there in her stomach. And she said, Pastor, I, I believe Mark 16, that if you'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. And she said, if you'll come up to the hospital and lay hands on me, I'll recover. And I said, I'm in. I believe the scripture. And I got in here praying. The Lord said, don't go up there and pray for her. And I'm blinking like a cow at a new gate. I was like, what? 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 I thought, I can't, I can't be hearing God right that. I must ate a lot of pizza today. i am got a tummy ache. Something's not right, and I kept asking God, man. The more I prayed, God said, don't pray for her. And I'm telling you, on the way up there, the whole way up there, it got intense. I could sense God saying, don't pray for her. Don't. And, and some people say, what do you mean you sense God telling you that? It's, it's the still, small voice. Come this Sunday, I'm going to talk about that. But I begin to hear God right here, and it's like, oh, my gosh. It's not verbal. Hey, stupid, listen to me. It's not that way. He doesn't he didn't get an airplane and write in the sky in cursive. Stupid, don't pray for her. But I knew in my heart. And so, man, I'm walking up. And I, I can still remember. I'm going to the sixth floor on the East Tower at Covenant. And I'm walking through there and the Lord said, don't pray for her. Man, that, that bell rings on the sixth floor. And I step off and I said, the Lord said, don't don't pray for her. I look and there's her name on that wall outside that room. And I walked in and she said, pastor, I'm so glad you're here to pray for me. This is in the Greek. Craptacular. I was like, oh Jesus, you got to help me. And he said, don't pray for her. So I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pray for you. I said, You got bitterness in your heart and you want God to heal you, but I said, He can't because that in there. Mount St. Helens erupted, man. And my my eyes got big and I looked at her and she said, I'll never forgive him. I'll die before I forgive him. I washed my hands, man. I'm out of here. I said, I love you, but I, I can't do it. I'm just a man. Again, when I see this with her, she's like, this bitterness. Now, you got to hurry with me, okay? Go to Proverbs 19. Wow, tell to me stories. Proverbs 19. See, again, I'm just telling you right now. Don't, don't let bitterness t- to take root in you. It, it, it starts with unforgiveness. And when unforgiveness is over a period of time before long, it begins to be bitterness. It's, it's kind of like a tooth that begins to hurt. Man, you know a tooth is hurting and you don't deal with it before long. That tooth abscesses. Oh my gosh. that's not, It's kind of like bitterness. Bitterness is abscessing on the inside of you. Got to get it out. Repent. Soften my heart, Father God. Uh, Proverbs 19 verse 3. The foolishness of a man twists or ruins his way and his heart frets or rages against the Lord. The message says this way. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? A man's foolishness corrupts his way, yet his heart rages against God. So when my faulty decisions lead me in the wrong direction, Yet when retribution or predictable consequences come, why does God get the blind for it? Again, it goes back to this. My unwise decisions and my unwise choices, they determine the course of my life. But understand this. When I learn to walk in obedience to God and His Word, it changes everything. So if verse 19 says, or chapter 19, verse 3. If that describes you today, what do we do, Pastor? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Go to Lamentations. That's right after um, Jeremiah. You'll go Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Lamentations. Lamentations, chapter 3. Most, most uh, theologians, uh, scholars say Lamentations, they believe, was written by Jeremiah. L- listen what this says. Woo, get ready. Get your pen out, okay? Mark this one. Lamentations three twenty two. Through the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, uh, uh, the word mercy right here, it literally means covenant love or steadfast love. It's linked with compassion. For the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his passions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Thank you, thank you. You know why His mercies are new every morning? Because we use them all up every day. His mercy to you. Now let me say this. His, His covenant love, His compassion is new to us every day. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. One translation says, The Lord is my portion, and he says it over and over and over and over. Therefore, I hope in him. Now, when you look at this, that that the word mercy here, it it talks about God's covenant and it talks about three areas his compassion, his commitment, and his covenant. The, the compassion we talk about toward us, even though we deserve punishment, his mercy says you're not going to get it. Oh, thank you. Dear G, aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? Oh, my God. I, I thank God I don't get what I deserve. His, his commitment is to restore us even though we deserve to endure the consequences of our choices. And his covenant is the covenant of love expressed at the point of our greatest foolishness. Now let me ask you, have you ever done something really foolish or stupid? I did. I have. I do. Thank God for his mercy. You know what his mercy says to me? He's the God of a second chance. He says, even though you deserve it, I'm going to mercy you. Turn back just a couple of pages. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. And, and this, this verse here, or these verses, verses 11 through 14. Some of these verses here are cross-referenced back into the book of Ruth. <laughs> listen, listen to this. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I thank toward you, says the Lord. The thoughts he has toward you are that of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. God, God doesn't look at you like he has a Texas sized fly swatter and said, man, I, I want to swat him. God, God doesn't look like at your head like a golf ball. He doesn't tee it up and say, I'm, I'm going to knock him right into eternity today. <laughs> Thank God his thoughts toward us are that of good and not evil, of peace. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. And pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. And when I see that right there. This quest is is a level of intensity. Beyond what may be termed ordinary prayer. This this is a thing that almost suggests. Man I'm desperate. I, I gotta have you. I don't know what to do. Verse 14. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. When I look at this woman named Naomi... She had made a mess of things. Let me ask you something. Have you made a mess of you? I had. I would made a huge mess of me. But the messes that I made did not disqualify me from the things of God. The messes that you've made don't have to be the end of the story with God. God said, the thoughts I have for you are good. And so when this woman named Naomi left Moab, it was like she was leaving the things of the world. And when she went back to Bethlehem, you know what's that symbolic of? I'm coming back to God. Even though when she went back to the things of God, she was very bitter. But what I find out, that the more I hang out with God, man, God begins to get that bitterness out of me. And so her life wouldn't have changed if she wouldn't have left Moab. you got to leave Moab. Get out of Moab. Turn to God and say, man, I'm coming back to the house of bread. I'm coming back to the things of God. And so I, I highlight this tonight. Man, something happens when I live committed to God. I, I, I don't have to be dominated by my past. Listen, don't allow your past to be your identity, your identity. Don't don't allow your past to shape your future. Come back to God. I don't know about you. I, I'd have hated to be na- uh, labeled the rest of my life bitter. I was so bitter. When in reality. My name is Naomi. I'm favor. I'd I, I love, Ooh, there's old no favor. There's the favor of God. There's the favor of God. Now I'm going to be on this again for a few more weeks, but not next week. So you're going to have to come back in a few weeks to hear it. But we're going to stay with this because it, it continually gets better. And, and she, I'll just read ahead for you. She ultimately finds this guy named Boaz. And man, I'm telling you, she loved Boaz. Boaz was the redeemer of her. Not uh We better just stop at Boaz. <laughs> I can get a little ornery with that name. And sometimes people lose their salvation when I do that. But again, it shows me the redemption of God. God doesn't ever give up on you. Just stand up here. Just, just bow your head right there where you're at. Because I, I, I really sense some of these verses. God... God really wants to speak to your heart. Just, just really close your eyes and, and don't, don't allow your, your, your mind to get to, to homework or the laundry or Walmart. Listen, close your eyes, listen. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, just with your eyes closed, these are the thoughts I thank toward you. Understand when we read this, this is our Heavenly Father. This this is the God of the universe. The thoughts I think, and so when I say that, and I want you to understand this. God knows you. God's aware of you. God God knows the very number of the hairs on your head. God knows your thumbprints. God, God knows you. He, he said, I knew you before you and ever your mother's womb. And so again, he says, my thoughts toward you are good and not evil. i, I, I got a future for you. i got a hope for you. And so I, I pray that right now in this room, that I don't know where you're at, but God's got a hope for you. God's got a few. God's got blessings for you. And it's like God saying, get out of Moab. Don't quit. Don't give up. Cross the river. Come back to the things of God. And God's a restore. And so this is how we're going to end. And if, if I can pray with you for anything. I, I'm just a vessel, okay? I, I've never healed one person. But I've seen God heal people. I've seen God restore. I've seen God move. And so if that's you tonight. You just need somebody to pray with you. Say, stir that up with me. That future. Move with it. But I'm going to throw another thing out here. When we dismiss here. You and God are the only one that really knows what's going on in your heart. And if it's bitterness that's holding you back, whether it's bitter toward another human being or you're bitter toward God. Let's let God do open heart surgery tonight, okay? God wants to bless us. Father God, as we leave here tonight, you're the God of redemption. The same God who redeemed this Moabite woman named Ruth and gave her a future, Lord, I pray that in here right now. Ooh, your redemptive power. Ooh, the blood of Jesus. You said there in Psalms 107, "Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." Ooh, I, I say so over all the sheep in here. Ooh, the young sheep, the old sheep, and the in-between sheep. Ooh, Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.